Hello, this is Aaron Eckhart, and you are listening to Center Stage with Mark Gordon, the beautiful one and only Mark Gordon. Center Stage, Center Stage, Center, Center, Center Stage. Center Stage. Welcome to Center Stage. My name is Mark Gordon. On this show, we're going to go back to 1995 when I was just starting out in radio and did a phone interview with Davy Jones. In 1966, he became a television sensation when he joined the cast of The Monkees. Eventually, the manufactured pop group would transcend the small screen with a series of hit songs including I'm a Believer and Last Train to Clarksville. Unfortunately, the TV show lasted only a few seasons. However, the Monkees would remain popular for over 30 years. The first thing I asked Davy Jones was how he became a monkey. I was working in theater in New York, and, and basically I was spotted by the Columbia Pictures executives who decided they would sign me up to a contract that entailed recording, and um, also um, they started looking for parts for me in television uh, shows that they were doing things like Bewitched and The Farmer's Daughter and Wacky Ship in the Army and F Troop and all the different kind of stuff that was going on at the time. I think F Troop was actually Warner Brothers but those are the kind of things they were looking for me as a young 16 year old uh, uh, who was fresh off the stage and fresh from England. As it worked out they a couple of years later got involved with the Monkees uh, um, script and they placed me basically in it. The process was auditions, um, were, were screen tests, uh, which I think many, many boys took part in. And they chose Mike Nesmith, Mickey Dolan's Peter Talk, and myself. Uh, we had absolutely um, nothing in common, and so uh, I think that was maybe the attraction. Well, now, when you first came together, the, the real musicians were Peter and uh, Michael, right? If you can keep a beat, you're a musician. And, um, you know, David Letterman voted me the number one, the number three, and the number ten tambourine player in the world. So that can't be bad. Mike and Peter had had more experience uh, behind their instruments. Mickey Dolans had played guitar in, in uh, a couple of uh, bands that he'd been involved with. And uh, obviously he got the drumming part because they said, who wants to be the drummer? And Mike, Peter, and myself took one step backwards. So he became the drummer. So... The combination of the four of us together worked for what they needed, and that's what the monkeys ended up to be. But we got together, we started to work together on the set between takes, and our show turned into a, a sort of rehearsal area for the most part. And so that when we went out on the road, and you know, they, you know, they expected us to sort of like just go out there and play a couple of tunes. We did a good hour and a half show with lights and with costume changes and all kinds of fun stuff that we introduced the screen at the back we showed Davy walking on the beach singing I want to be free and then Mike Nesmith uh, doing his thing and you know it was it was it was quite an experience our live show we did over 200 concerts with the monkeys we, we toured all over the first year 1966 I think uh, probably 67 we we toured all over America we did masses of concerts uh, we toured uh, Australia Japan We've been to England. We didn't do much touring in Europe, but we were a touring band. Yeah, we did a lot of concerts. When you first got in the group, did you think it was going to be uh, the hit it, it has become? I mean, this thing has lasted, uh, we're going on 30 years, right? I think maybe when you begin something, if you are sort of used to working constantly, continually, as I was, Mickey Dolan obviously had his TV series as a child actor, 
then he'd gone and done parts and worked in different areas of the business. Uh, Mike and Peter, they had um, experience, not quite the success that we were about to, you know, sort of experience with the monkeys. But <coughs> I think basically for Mickey Dolans and I, it was just a continuation, a transition period from young leading men to younger leading men. And what we did was, um, you know, just take it in our stride. Now, we had a hard job. We had a job to do. We worked in the studio. We worked on film. We worked personal appearances. We did interviews. We did a lot of bloody work, you know, for what we were paid and for the image that has, has gone on and followed us through our careers. I mean, we worked very hard to make the monkeys successful. We had a script that we pretty much stuck to, worked around, and basically just put the, our characters into it, you know. We had staff writers, and we had different writers come in and do different um, segments. We were planning on having different directors every week, like most shows do. You know, they get a different director coming in. They, you know, a lot of shows don't necessarily have the same director in those days. They had got a TV series running now, I think it's the same director comes in week after week, or for six or eight episodes. Well, um, I think that's another thing that the monkeys really originated, was, was the idea of taking a director and having him do a ten-week chunk, then another director came in and did four episodes, another one came in and did two. They didn't used to do that. Uh, they had a steady man working as the director as well, you know. It was quite interesting what happened on the monkey set. You had electricians pulling cables that they weren't supposed to be touching, and we had the prop men dressed up as actors, and it was a little freeform, more uh, open and, and flowing than, than television today, which is really, most directors are not actors' directors. They're, they're there to snap their fingers and basically work that side of the deal, you know. Obviously, when you start looking back and and then reviewing what happened uh, and, and you think about the movie we made and the TV special we made and things like that, we were very instrumental in a lot of that, especially the movie. And, you know, obviously that was credited to Jack Nicholson, Bob Rafelson, Burt Schneider, the producers, when really it was the four of us that had a very major part in writing that and putting the whole idea together. These guys had just um, helped finance a movie that was going to be quite a, a cult-followed um, movie, which was Easy Rider. They'd also been connected a little earlier with a, a movie called The Trip, a, another fantasy, sort of like fantastic sort of like um, acid trip on film. Basically, they incorporated a few of those techniques into the Monkees movie. And then it was sort of pieced together and put together and jigsawed together by the studio and by by Jack and Bert and, and Bob and obviously, you know, at that particular point we became secretaries in the piece. Back in the in the sixties we came right after the Beatles initial success. They've been happening for a number of years. In fact on nineteen sixty three, I think it was, uh, when I was on the Ed Sullivan show the same night the Beatles were on there, you know, I was you know, one of the guests, and they were one of the guests. That was their first appearance. And I saw the reaction that they got. That was one of the things that inspired me into getting into a rock and roll band or doing some recording. The 60s 
obviously a time of change in many ways, as the 70s and 80s and 90s will be. You know, I mean, we're heading towards the year 2000 here, you know. This is going to be some kind of thing. Although, for a lot of people, it's just going to be another day and another date and another time, you know, for them to reminisce or for them to grow older. There are a lot of people that are just basically living and just existing. But in the 60s, that was our time, and we were all young, late teens, early early 20s, and uh, as far as the monkeys were concerned. And we were involved in a time that was a very free-form, open, expressive time. And therefore, the monkeys worked as being something quite naturally wholesome and family, last of the sort of um, Ricky Nelson, Paul Peterson, you know, sort of like apple pie on the weekend um, guys, you know. After that, everybody started getting a little crazier and the heavy metal started to happen. And even nowadays, you know, you've got the Chili Peppers putting socks on their willies, you know, and you've got <laughs> people doing crazy things. I mean, now a, a flash of flesh on the stage, you know, was nothing to the way we were at Woodstock and the way we were at the Monterey Pop Festival and what we did on the beaches of California in the mid-60s, you know. In the 70s or thereabouts, you know, they were streaking. We were 10,000 of us streaking on the bloody beach in the 60s, you know. There was no, you know, sort of like one nude person, you know, only those few years later brought a massive reaction where we were all bloody naked. It's funny, I mean, I mean, you know, you look at it and say, oh, well, oh, there's somebody streaking across the ballpark, you know. A couple of years ago, when the uh, when the Monkees got back together, they did a concert at, I think it was at the Amphitheater? Or is it Amphitheater or the Greek? I think it was the Amphitheater. We did them at both of those places. Right, it, but it was the first time that they had, had been in L.A. in, you know, so many years. And I remember, because I was in the green room that night, um... And I remember Peter Tork, he opened up the door and he saw that there were all these people and he just, I guess it was too much for uh, for him to take. And I remember reading something in the paper talking about that he really wasn't that happy with being a celebrity. Because he always seemed kind of on the fringe in a way, didn't he? On the fringe of what? Well, just... Uh, hysteria? <laughs> was he? On the fringe of hysteria? Well, you know, there again, there, there it is, you see. that that's the, the, the overall image of the monkeys was friendly. We may be coming to your town. But inwardly, everybody reacted differently. When I was doing a job, I'd be doing the job, and that would be the job I would be doing. When I'd finished those three hours at that theater and on stage, I'd go home. Then I became my own person. I mean, ask me whether I think it's right or wrong that Peter would open a door and there'd be ten people in the hallway, and immediately he would feel that he would be threatened. I mean, I walk out into the middle of those ten people and say, Hey, how's it going? Then I'd be on my way to the next area, you know. Um, I don't. I mean, I don't like particularly like crowds. I like to be out in the middle of the field, you know, sort of turning my, you know, patch over or, you know, you know, working, you know, outdoors and playing with right. my horses or going for a walk in the woods or, yeah, I like all that private time and a lot of the time is like that. And, you know, I spend the whole of this day, um, you know, working towards me going to the theater this evening. It's not sort of like go out with the boys at lunchtime and have a beer and, have wine with dinner, you know, the whole thing revolves around that performance, so I'm there in that area doing that thing, yeah. therefore all those things become part of 
uh, of what it is you know I'm doing and, and therefore I can't pick and choose at that point mm -hmm. I'm there to entertain I'm there to work I'm there because people have come to see me I don't want to behind the dressing room green room door I want as many people to see me as possible some of them are a little intrusive or excitable or whatever it might be but that's understandable because you know I'm Davy Jones from the monkeys and they, they're excited they want their program signed or they, they want to tell me their experiences or whatever it might be mm -hmm. and I'm quite willing as an artist as a man as a person to to listen that's my good fortune because if I can hear one positive thing or if I can say one positive thing uh, that's going to help somebody else then that makes it all worthwhile you can't go through your day thinking every moment's going to be you know enlightening and inviting sometimes things happen that are not so inviting you know or enlightening and, and you've got to deal with it and I do that daily I have I, I, I laugh at you know Michael Jackson going down to the supermarket and he's in his uh, sort of ski mask or going there and you know rushing out of their Rolls Royce doors and sort of going into the department store and closing it down well you know, if you just tie your hair back and get your soldier suit off, you know, and put a Yves Saint Laurent suit on and just grow up, you know, and that goes for Elvis <laughs> too, you know. I mean, if you're going to look like okay, you came off a stage, I think we're, people are going to wonder where, which stage you're heading towards, you know. I, let's tell all those celebrities out there just to grow up. No. No, not necessarily <laughs> so. As I said, no, it's but I see what you're saying. That's what Michael wants to do. Michael needs that image of uh, of Michael Jackson to survive it's quite understandable you know the guy's into major heavy business you know he owns radio stations he owns um, publishing companies he, he, he probably owns a steel mill somewhere in the world you know so he's not just Michael Jackson the entertainer I was reading that she received 5,000 fan letters per day in the heyday of the group I mean, what was it? Did you actually ever look at any of the mail? or? Oh, yeah, I get a lot of mail now. I so get you still, of mail. Okay. I mean, I have a but 5,000 a day during when the monkeys were at their peak, I mean, what was that like? Well, you know, that was sort of like, you know, talking about, you know, things being blown out of proportion. I, I don't think anybody was dancing there counting 5,000 letters a day. I mean, I've always gotten lots of mail um, from, um, well, from different sources. I mean, if you were to write to me, and say Davy Jones, you know, Pennsylvania, you know, monkey or whatever. I mean, it would get me. I mean, I have a home in Pennsylvania. Um, the, the, so I get loads and loads of mail still, you know, even though people are not necessarily following my career or every move that I make, you know. I mean, I, I get letters from kids that, you know, want advice. I get letters from parents who thank me for helping bringing their kids up, you know, still. I get people that maybe have, you know, you know, gone and bought, an, you know, a reissue of a monkey's record, and they want me to answer story, you know, you know, ideas that they have of why we did this song or whatever. I mean, it's it's, it's an unbelievable sort of experience having been um, in the business for so long. I mean, you 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 all of a sudden become more attractive, you become more knowledgeable, you become more sexy you become more everything success does that for you you know you're basically just a, 
um, a regular person underneath all this tinsel and fabric is real tinsel and fabric. So you've got to try to approach it in a sensible, you know, adult way. Try to, you know, read through as many letters as I can. I, you know, I get halfway through a letter and it's the same sort of rambling applause or favor that I seem to get. And um, mostly yeses in a world of no's. Do you have a favorite album that you guys produced? Favorite Monkeys album? I have a lot of favorites, you know, only because I think of the, the, the involvement of so many different people. I mean, it's all very positive. We never ever sung about the times they are changing, the eve of destruction. The Monkeys were all Carol King, Neil Diamond, Harry Nielsen, Neil Sedaka, great, positive, happy songwriters. And so, you know, this generated a lot of interest um, from um, unsuspecting uh, youth that instead of pushing their hands deep into their tight little jeans to, to pull out bubble gum or candy, they were now sort of pull, pulling the, the money out and going buying records, you know. So we introduced a lot of kids to the record-buying, uh, you know, sort of idea. And we also influenced a lot of kids that, um, you know, have things to ask and questions that need answers. You can't always get it at home through your family or your, you know, your mums and dads, uh, and, you know, you reach out to uh, somebody that you feel you're identifying with at the time. And Davey in 16 Magazine and Tiger Beat and was uh, an approachable uh, image that girls tended to um, feel comfortable with. You were likable guys. The Monkees was not complicated. It was just about four guys trying to make it in the rock and roll world. And I think we did pretty good. Until next time, this is Mark Gordon, and I'll see you center stage. Center stage, center stage, center, center, center stage. Center stage. Hello, this is Homer Simpson. Whenever I want to know what's going on in the entertainment world, I listen to Center Stage with Mark Gordon. <laughs>